just normal. That's all. It's just normal. It's totally normal. Yeah. Everything's normal. Right. So anyway. Anyway. Man. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. I got diagnosed with PTSD today. That's my story of the day. That's a big lead story right there. So how do you how do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> I I pretty much knew that was already the case. So yeah. I was like, all right, one more thing. Add it to the pile. When we were talking about it earlier, I kind of made the observation that at least you know now at least you had somebody to kind of co-sign it like yeah yeah and also like i don't know i've never really had shame related to any of that stuff so i'm like okay it's just a thing you know Mm -hmm. like any other you know if you have asthma if you have like anything allergies it's just a thing that it like happens to be a thing that you have to treat or deal with or whatever. And, you know, to me, it's no different. Than right. Like that. So, right. I mean, I, I stand by that. I think it's a good idea to know what you're dealing with. So it's not yeah. like a guessing game and, you know, at least you have like a target. Like this is, this is something that I am dealing with. This is something that is, you know, not, completely exclusive to me this is something that people have dealt with well before me and will deal with well after so yeah yeah and also like it i'm very lucky that it's not affecting my life too much like Mm -hmm. the reason that i even like consulted my doctor is because i've been having very vivid uh nightmares and that's become a thing. And sometimes they wake me up. Sometimes I talk in my sleep. Sometimes it like affects me. Um, and Kayla was like, yeah, just bring that up at the appointment. You should really be like, bring that up and see what you need to do. And he was like, yeah. And like, I talked to him for a while and he's like, okay, so like that's, you're dealing with symptoms of this thing. And, you know, we can get you on medicine and get like help you with that. So Very like, vivid right. nightmares. That's that's called being awake, Lex. That's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's coupled with other things, of course. But that's ah. the biggest thing that I'm dealing with right now. So okay. I'm like, all right, I consider that pretty lucky. Um, but I think what I did not realize was how much I had normalized it. Mm-hmm. How, I, how much I was like, well, that's just part of my existence. And... Um, it definitely took Kayla going like, hey, you don't have to deal with that. That's not <laughs> that's not something that uh, has to happen every night, you know? And I'm like, oh, well, true, I guess. I mean, she's she's right. <laughs> I'm glad she I'm glad she was there to make that observation. And, uh, I, you know, I mean, no joke, man. I think in my brain, I thought that was something that literally everyone had. That's that seems like that's the majority of shit like this, where it's, yeah you know, you just get to a certain point and it's not right away. It's a slow burn and it just mm-hmm. intensifies like, you know, the the analogy about the frog in the pot of water that's slowly yeah. getting hotter and hotter, you know, and it takes someone else to just go in there fresh to be like, oh, you're boiling, you know, right. Right. Absolutely. I guess the so. only thing I could say is um, if you guys are are 
reaching a point where you're like, I don't know about this thing. If you're able, go to a doctor, you know? Yeah. Try to that is, take care of that. And if you're not in that, that situation, I hope you reach the point where you can get there soon. I'm wishing you the best, kind of. Because that part's rough, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm proud of you for doing it, too. You know, we always joke about, oh, this isn't medical advice. This is not medical <laughs> advice, but it's advice about getting medical advice. So take that advice. Yeah. And I think like uh, the reason that I talk about things like that is because I <laughs> I get in situations like that where I can feel like I can go to a doctor and ask for help. And that's mm -hmm. only because um, of my father's influence of very much normalizing that when I was a child um, and struggling with very heavy things, he was like, hey, this is normal. This is like if you had to wear glasses or whatever, like this is just a thing that you deal with and there's no shame in it. And so I think that if we, and I think society, like society in general is getting much better about that. But I just think if we talk about these things, you know, everyone, like I, I definitely like privacy. Everyone likes privacy to a degree, but if we kind of talk about things openly, maybe people will feel less alone unless like they can't confront it mm. and they can't, you know, go through it alone. Man, what a great way of looking at that. Just saying, you know, it's just like if you need glasses or something. Yeah, that's you know, what my dad that's... always said whenever I went to the doctor, whenever I felt self-conscious about having to take medicine or anything like that. He's like, if you had to wear glasses, no, you wouldn't think twice about it. Like, it would just, maybe you'd be a little self-conscious about whatever, but like, it would be a, just a part of your life. And that changed my perspective on it. Man. Sage advice. Yep. So, are you ready to talk about shit that doesn't matter? Um, I disagree. Henry Cavill is going to be Superman again. That does fucking matter. <laughs> That's my story of the year. I'm done. That I'm, does I'm matter. The other, Henry, the other Henry Cavill story that we're going to talk about in this is much sadder. But him being Superman again, all for it. Yeah. James Gunn running DC, all for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, we were... um talking about that a little bit last week, D and I on the show and just the ramifications uh, therein of what it will be like under James Gunn and the mm -hmm. perception, you know, the, the majority of the perception by the, uh, the knee jerk internet is, Oh my God, everything's going to be silly and everything's going to be tongue in cheek and sarcastic now. And it's like, guys, he's not going to direct everything. He's going to assign mm -hmm. people, <laughs> to write and direct things. No, he's he, he's going to hopefully do the thing that good producers do, which is hire talented people and let them do their thing and exactly. consult as needed, not you know, be involved in every little aspect of it. I think that's what Kevin Feige has done as well. Absolutely. You know, Kevin Feige gets final say, but when it comes to Ryan Coogler uh writing and directing uh, Wakanda forever. It's it's him at the end of the day. He's yeah. the one that has to live and die with those decisions. So, you know, Ryan Coogler's or rather uh, Kevin Feige's just the one that goes, yeah, you know, I think that's entertaining. Cool. Good job. <laughs> right, right. You you still have to deal with the rules that they're setting up for their universe or whatever plans they have. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the whole idea should be 
when you're, especially when you're trying to make films that are like one cohesive whole thing, which I'm assuming DC is going to end up going in that direction now with mm-hmm. this change. But either way, like even if you're just talking about a studio in general, the idea of you hire good people to do these things like, and, and to make things and then you let them make the thing. Right. And unless something bad is happening or it's getting out of control or there's genuine issues, you just let them do their thing. I think that's what good leadership is, right? I agree. You know, and I th- I feel like James Gunn is self-aware enough to understand that. So, you know, we'll see what, yeah. what happens here. Yeah, I'm sure he had to sell a certain bill of rights to the higher ups at Warner Brothers at, you know, uh, fucking Zazlab and all of those guys. But at the end of the day, you know, we have uh, Henry Cavill wanting desperately to play Superman, stating several times over, even even recently, like he cannot wait to speak to James Gunn about his future mm-hmm. with DC. James Gunn, who basically went from Peacemaker all the way up to the top of the pile. <laughs> the yeah. first person he told about his new job was John Cena. So, you know, and I was, again, I was telling D last week, uh, it seems like every single actor that works with him has a positive thing to say about the experience. Yeah. So, I mean, that right there, I mean, that's, that's a good feeling to have understanding that the talent's going to feel well respected, that the person who he is replacing is, you know, quite the opposite, you know, he's, they've already gotten so much goodwill out of this. I think it's a very positive change. And we haven't been able to say that a lot about the whole uh, WB disco merger. Right. And I really hope that they continue to make efforts to make their their sets safer and more um, accommodating and just better in general. Like, I, I really hope they they continue on this path, not just changing of the guard, but changing of every aspect of filmmaking, you know, um, yes. because the, the, the actors, the people working on set, literally everyone needs to feel safe on a set and feel like it's professional and everything's good. Um, we can't have repeats of the shit that's happened in the past. Right. Right. So of course, with every, with everything you gain, there has to be some sort of loss to balance it out. It's the, they, they call it the law of equivalent exchange. It is the basis of one of my favorite anime of all time, Full Metal Alchemist. And it rings true in a lot of aspects and in real life as well. Because now we've got Henry Cavill lined up, ready to play Superman once again. The whole world in front of him, nothing but possibilities. But of course, that means that something's going to have to give. And I'm not saying this an exact balance here, but... We learned that Henry Cavill stepped down from playing The Witcher for Netflix. But we've got more detail about yeah, it. Yeah, but now. yeah, there's no there's no connection to Superman that we know of. As of Not now. that we know of, but it is no. very convenient. I'll say that. Um, it is, but at the same time, you know, people have been posting about how Henry Cavill has continuously said he wants to do all seven seasons of it, but he doesn't like the how they are moving away from the source material. Apparently I'm not into the Witcher. So like, I don't know that in detail, but it seems like he really hasn't been happy with the way the show has been running. That's exactly what we're talking about this time around. So yeah, 
I guess he had a falling out with the creative team. Uh, you know, not not in a very vocal or mean sort of way, but just a difference of opinion on the direction of the creator uh, than the creators are, are yeah. trying to go in. So basically, he's stepping away. Now, uh, the fans have caught wind of this. And there's, of course, a change.org petition saying, bring back Henry Cavill as Gerald and fire the writers instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I understand that. I usually am like, I don't know about this, but it sounds like it sounds like there's some bullshit going on with it. I don't know. I don't really have a side in all of this because I like I said, I'm I'm not involved with that franchise at all. Like, I don't I don't care. I tried watching The Witcher. I was bored with it, honestly. Okay. I mean, I enjoy it for the most part. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the games. I listened to the audiobook of the, uh, the source material and, mm-hmm. uh, the first season I enjoyed, you know, the second one didn't quite hook me as much, but I, I can see how people were, uh, were, were enjoying it a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's so much source material to pull from. If they're moving away from it, it does kind of feel like a betrayal. And I, I am sure that fans of the show and fans of the character and the story, uh, they are a little hesitant to trust that sort of move after what we saw happen with, of course, Game of Thrones and, and other uh, fantasy shows that have come out since then. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, more power to the fans for being vocal about it, respectfully, you know, coming out and <laughs> respectfully saying they want something Yeah, I even like... Even people going against, because um, Luke Hemsworth is taking over the part, right? And even people going at, like against Hemsworth, they're not like really saying anything negative about him. They're just like, I don't want him to be this character, right? So that's kind of surprising, honestly, that like they there hasn't been more, uh, you know, negativity. Right, way. right. I, I think people um, regard Liam Hemsworth as a as a, a good actor. You know, it's just we've already got the perfect actor for the role in, in most most people's eyes. So they want to see this actor see the, the show through to the end. It's already such a rarity that Netflix guarantees shows to continue past the second or a third season as it is. Right. So they don't want to pay those royalties. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're always looking for the next hot thing. So, um, I mean, I, I don't. I don't see anybody as the real villain here. I, I think s- no. simply put, yeah, if it's a, if it's a difference of opinion about the direction of the project, Henry has every right to leave it, you know, and the fans are just going to have to deal with that. Uh, I, I hope Liam yeah, I just, doesn't get too much blowback. <laughs> I, th- I think he, I think he left You're like you said, the timing is convenient. And I think that's because he's like, okay, I've got another job that I'm going to have to really dedicate myself to again soon. <laughs> that I truly yeah. is like my most passionate project. Not that he's not passionate about the Witcher, but we all know he's wanted to play Superman for so long now again. Right. He's um, always been vocal about that, you know, and yeah. he's not getting any younger. He's in great shape. All the pieces are there. They just got to put them together. Yeah, so he's like, all right, and if you're already dissatisfied with some of the choices being made on the show and your contract, I'm guessing his contract ended right then um, in that season three, like, you know, timeline. Yeah, I'm guessing he was like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm just going to be done with this. 
And mm-hmm. I don't blame him for that. Like, you know, television shows are a lot of work, too. Yeah. It's a lot of his time. And if he feels like he's kind of not meeting, you know, the expectations that both the fans have and that he himself as a fan has for the show, I'm like, I get it. I get why you'd want to leave. It must suck for the crew and, and cast the other people as well, too, like to, to have their leading man leave. But what a great self-realization to know that the time that you spent as the character has come to an end, that you're not going to be able to bring that same level of quality that's expected mm-hmm. of you. And so instead of just hanging on and phoning it in, you step down for somebody who is able to fulfill that role. I think that shows a lot of character. Yeah. And also Liam Hemsworth kind of needs a job, doesn't he? When's the last time that dude was in anything? <laughs> he did I don't the know, Hunger man. Games and he just kind of dipped. Yeah. His brother's always working. I know that much, but yeah. 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 <laughs> needs a franchise. Yeah. So hopefully this means that they're going to find some work for him at DC. You just hang around a lot, man. They got to put you in something, you know, just, just, just go hang out with the rock. Hang around the WB lot. They'll put you in. Now I'm wondering if the next thing we see him in is going to be, is it going to be Man of Steel 2? Or is it going to be a different movie where he's featured again? You know, because we never even got a sequel to his original movie. That's just wild to me. Yeah. If they do give him another movie, I don't think they're going to call it Man of Steel 2. I think they're going to try to... I don't think they're going to call it that either. Yeah. But I, I think they'll just try to like gravitate away from what that world built and and give him something wholly different. I mean, you know, we haven't really seen a Superman in space movie and a lot of his adventures do happen in outer space, but they always keep him grounded. They always want that, you know, that Lois Lane connection, understandably, because those are the characters people associate most with Superman. But, you know, I, I also think Superman is more interesting when he's on earth. That's true, but we haven't seen him in space in the movie. So that's brand new territory. Yeah, it is. I, I, it's, it's hard because I'm also like, when's the last time we actually got Superman right at the same time? So you're like, oh yeah, we need to do something new. And I'm, I'm also like, I get that, but we also need to do the thing right in the first place. <laughs> that's true. At the end of Man of Steel, he had just got the job at the Daily Planet. So... We've ha- we haven't yeah, seen him. We keep <laughs> we haven't seen we him, haven't him, even day seen him in his element. He's right. just it's always like origins or you know, hey, he was gone for a while. This is a continuation of a movie from the seventies, and you're like, what? Okay, all right. I you know with Kevin Gunn, not Kevin Gunn, James Gunn. Who's Kevin Gunn? Oh my god! So with James Gunn there, I hope they embrace the approach that the spider-man franchise has taken of Mm -hmm. you guys get it we're just gonna you know pop in on their life at this point yeah also is jj abrams still a part of this Mm. remember how he was brought in i'm googling this yeah because i'm not really remembering that wasn't he This is from May. It's saying WB reportedly frustrated with lack of DC projects from J.J. Abrams. Oh, that whole deal. Yeah. He made the bad robot five-year contract. It's three years in and he hasn't done anything. 
That's right. Yeah, he was dragging his feet on getting something off the ground. Um, so I think they ended that relationship once Zaslav came aboard. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't blame them, though. Like, as much as I was excited for J.J. Abrams to take that on, he's not doing anything. No. And if they signed a five-year contract for $250 million and he has yet to produce anything three years into that contract... I think that there's um, definitely like something their lawyers can do to kind of cut those ties because right. that's ridiculous. Abrams is good at name recognition. And I think it, I think it's important. People realize a real workhorse behind lost was Damon Lindelof. JJ Abrams basically just, you know, signed his name to the project, I think. And Lindelof, Lindelof was the one is a genius. What's that? Damon Lindelof is a genius, man. Totally. He makes totally. such good shit. Yes, absolutely. And I think he deserves more credit than he gets. You know, a lot of his projects mm -hmm. get caught up in Hollywood bullshit that, you know, makes it unrecognizable and he catches a lot of flack for it. But ultimately, once you hear him tell the story he wanted to tell after the fact, you're like, oh, that would have been entertaining. I wish they would have let him tell that story. <laughs> yeah. But well, The Leftovers was his and it was fantastic. It was. It ended on his terms, you know, and mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm always glad to see a project end exactly when the creator wants to see it end. So I don't know. I think Lindelof would be a good fit for a DC movie. That'd be interesting to see. I agree. So we'll we'll see what happens here. But I you wonder know, what he would limit. want to make. Like what what DC film he would want to make and take on. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so many of these characters are, are just. Uh, they need fleshing out, you know, like as much as we saw a cyborg in, in, in justice league, um, you know, what's a day to day cyborg story look like? What's he do? Yeah. He's not just wandering around in a hoodie cracking open yeah. ATMs for people who need money. You know, that's that, you know, of that I know <laughs> that's not his life. I think Damon Lindelof would be interesting to write Hawkman. Oh, yeah, that's a complicated character, too. But, you know, yeah. they, they kind of relaunched him. I think he could him. do that really well. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Black Adam, of course, but I would like to, I to know where they left that character and if he's in a place where they can branch him off into his own thing. Yeah, that would be fascinating to see. Yeah. I've always really been intrigued by that character. I need to read the Jeff Johns run of Hawkman because I've heard good things about it, but I've just never yeah. read it. Yeah, he did a lot for those legacy characters mm -hmm. back in the early 2000s. He really yeah, yeah. revitalized a lot of good characters. Yeah, he wrote a lot of really good runs. Yeah. I was a big fan of his teen, his teen Titans run because I was a fan of the uh, Marv Wolfman and, and George Perez era mm -hmm. of the book. And he bought back those core characters and, you know, gave them something to do in a way that didn't feel like he was taking a step back. To the to the character development, and I really enjoyed it. The artwork was fantastic too. I remember yeah. that. I read I read a at least a volume or two of that run as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think everybody that had good. that on their shelf at one point. It was just a really good comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, a little bit more DC news, kind of unrelated, but joining the cancellation bunch, Star Girl has officially been canceled by the CW. This is not a surprise. Uh, that Star ran Girl, much longer than I thought it would. <laughs> absolutely. I didn't think it was going to get more than two seasons. It got a third. Um, no one was talking about this show. I can't mm -hmm. say no one, but, you know, just in my circle, I didn't really see a lot of people discussing it. 
you and I barely talked about it at all. I and I saw one commercial, and that's all I saw of it. Man, I actually watched the first two seasons. Pretty, you know, I was pretty dedicated to the show. It was an it was entertaining. I thought it was good, but there were a lot of things. There were a lot of missed opportunities on the show, and you know, it was kind of in that limbo of whether it wanted to be a part of the Arrowverse or not, because they were wrapping mm-hmm. that up at the time that premiered. So, you know, a lot of the comic websites are are basically mourning this as, oh, this is the last nail in the coffin for the Arrowverse. And I say, no, like it wasn't even really part of it in a, in a tangible way. They didn't have yeah. any guest stars on there, you know, that were part of the overall story. So I don't know. And Superman and Lois is still on. Exactly. And that's not really part of the Arrowverse either. They've established that that's like a different you know, alternate dimension and all the other stuff. It just happens to have uh, John Diggle, <laughs> another John Diggle there, <laughs> which is a weird well, choice. Well, it's also got, I mean, he was obviously Superman in both shows. Yeah, but it's weird. I guess they're trying to say, like, this isn't the same Superman that we saw in Supergirl. It just also happens to be Tyler Hoechlin. Hmm, that's weird. I thought I know. it was supposed to be the same one, but that they like had a weird time jump thing. I don't remember how it worked. Yeah, it's it's silly. You know, that's the thing about comics, too. They do a better job of making you forget everything that came before with like a one page recap. Like, all right, so here's mm-hmm. the history of the character. That thing we didn't mention, that's because it didn't happen. And let's hit the ground running. Let's go. Let's do it. But TV shows... You know, they're always trying to sell box sets and subscriptions to digital services to make you go back and watch the first season to watch where the character began. But it's not really the same character anymore. So it's just very confusing. Right. And and also it's a different time investment, typically. Like, yeah, you can pick up a new run of Superman first issue and just go in blind. If you're <laughs> you're talking about a TV show like Superman and Lois. You're mm-hmm. talking about, what, three seasons? That's hours upon hours of television and time you're putting into it. Yeah. And the the CW style of storytelling, you're going to get a lot of meandering episodes, too. It's not mm-hmm. just going to be every episode is important to the overall story. Like if you're watching an HBO drama or something, it's like, no, this episode is the prom episode. And this one is the one where the brothers get in a fight, but they make up by the end because they realize mm-hmm. that family is thicker than water. No, it's true. Or they they like do that. wander off because they they have too high of episode counts. Even I don't I don't know how many episodes they have per season. I think they've kind of dropped those now a little bit with like cable becoming bigger and bigger over the years. You know, they're not necessarily doing like 22 episodes every season for these oh, shows. God. Yeah. But some of them they did. I think Arrow did that almost to the end. Maybe they cut it down to like 18 at some point for some of these. But it's still a lot more than like, you know, House of the Dragon, which is, you know, was just on. And that was, what, 10 episodes total? That's Mm -hmm. not a lot in comparison. Right. But every episode counted. Every episode, something important happened. Yep. So... I don't know, man. I I really just, (laughs) everybody's way of watching TV has changed. You know, we've come to expect a certain type of of entertainment now, I think, especially after being stuck inside for so long. You know, we don't have time to waste. We're trying to get back into the swing of things now. So 
you know, stuff like that. It just kind of drags along. People are going to gravitate away from and get their eyes on something else that's a little bit more snappy. Yeah. Yeah. Our attention spans are fucked. Very true. <laughs> like, no way. We can't stick with things. Yeah. Um, some good news, though. This is the story you added, and I was mm-hmm. very glad to see this. Apparently, it got leaked before it was supposed to. Uh, which actually leads into another story, but we'll get to that next. Um, Sandman mm-hmm. season two. <laughs> it's it's happening. Yeah, It's a real thing. It is. And I saw tweets about this, but then I, I right before we recorded, I saw Neil Gaiman confirmed that it's coming back for season two. So yeah. It is legit. Neil Gaiman not only um, confirmed it, he was basically championing, championing it. Uh, over the hiatus just saying look you know we did a great job with netflix we got some amazing numbers but there's no guarantee it's gonna come back so keep watching it keep telling your friends and i guess what he did worked because we're back and i'm very happy about that there's a lot more sandman story to tell and that first season was incredible and it was uh it was faithful to the source material yeah, it's still on my list to watch. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be a trip. As you, I, I really think you're gonna enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I, I definitely want to watch it. I just haven't gotten around to it. But I'm glad that it got a second season. I know you were saying like you're, you were happy with the first season no matter what happens, but that you were excited for the possibility of a second season. So I'm really glad that it's coming back because I know a lot of people feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the the way the show is framed, they could have done this season. Um, they could have canceled it and just started from scratch years later and just picked up the story from where it left off and it would still feel authentic if Neil Gaiman's involved, you know? Because as, as, as long as it's his vision, as long as he's creatively influencing this character then it's legit Sandman. It doesn't matter what changes are made, you know, the race swapping or whatever people want to complain about or gender swapping, whatever. It's him. It's his interpretation. And I am comfortable with the decisions he's making because he's proven himself time and time again that, you know, the characters that he's created, the stories he's told are are valuable. So I'm really looking forward to seeing. I wonder, I wonder how expensive that show is to make. I wonder now, if it's like a really hefty price tag of a show. It's got to be. It's got to be the visual effects mm-hmm. they have in there. You know, um, there was a <laughs> there was an episode that was released late after the season was uh, basically over. You know, um, this was when Netflix was still doing the binge drop and they put out 12 episodes and we're like, OK, cool. That's a whole season. But then like. A couple weeks later, a 13th episode dropped and everybody's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this? Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then half of it was like animated. And this is like, okay. So either this is like a, a crafty yeah. surprise or the animation wasn't quite done and they wanted to get it right before putting it out there. And it still worked either way. You know, it was, it was a nice <laughs> little um, cherry on top of everything else. It looks like it's about 15 million per episode. Yikes. Yeah, expensive. That's so like one season costs $165 million. Oof. If Netflix didn't pick it up, I would have understood based off of that price tag alone. 
Right. You can't be mad at them. You know, just let that technology catch up a little bit and the price come down, revisit it in about five years and then just act like it never happened. It's cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> can you believe can you believe we were paying those six motherfuckers a million dollars an episode for 30 minutes of work back in the 90s? For what? For oh, friends? yeah. Oh, man, but they were getting ratings that we have not seen since and will probably never see again. That's the crazy part. That's true. That's true. You know, I got stuck watching that on Marathon uh, on TBS last week, and I realized what it's going to take for me to actually dig back into this show. And that's for them to come out with a cut of the show, not just every episode on demand. They need a super cut of this show that is just one continuous loop without the fucking theme song. And I will watch every single episode of Friends in order. That's what it's going to take. <laughs> I mean, you can skip the the theme. That's the nice part. Like, you can. if you're watching Netflix or whatever, you can. But you got to be ready. On Netflix, but you, you can know, skip past it. It's 22 minutes, so you got to be ready. You got to be ready with that button, and you're still going to get five seconds yep. of it, no matter you what go. you do. Then you get that last note of the yep. song. It's like, shit. <laughs> Cut it all out. Got to get rid of it. But TBS does something brilliant. They'll go into the next episode of the show and in a tiny little picture in picture box, they'll be showing the theme song in the corner or the, the opening intro in the corner. So you don't have to experience it at all. Yeah. I've noticed that that's a smart thing. Really that's a good idea to save time. Yeah. Yeah. And sanity. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I have to see Ross in that fucking hat one more time. I swear to God. Dancing. Dancing in a fountain. (laughs) Awkwardly, Matthew Perry all drugged up, admittedly. You know, gosh. Oh, man. His memoir just came out, and apparently he does not look good. Hey, let's talk about that for a second. Why the hell (laughs) doesn't he like Keanu Reeves? I really want to know. Um, I mean, from what I've seen, I have not listened to it yet. I'm going to listen to the audiobook. I'm going to get it through the library because I'm not paying for that shit. Um, but it sounds like he just sounds really bad. And I saw a TikTok that made a great point where they were like, none of the other Friends cast members have promoted his book at all. Yeah. Or posted about it or anything. And I think that says a lot. In fact, Valerie Bartinelli has come out to say, how the hell? Do you put me on blast in your book like that without even talking to me first, which really sucks. Yeah, I think I think it just sounds I I mean, it sounds like he's just not really a great guy. Like I'm glad that he's, you know, in recovery and doing better, but it just doesn't sound like he's a, a very decent person. So I think that makes it kind of difficult for people to root for him in in this book, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it's still commendable to speak about addiction and, um, you know, to share stories, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't excuse you being an asshole when it sounds like he's just an asshole. Right, right. I mean, you know, and he's not a, he's not alone. He's not unique in that, you know? That's just no. a lot of celebrities. It goes to your head and you yeah. become an asshole sometimes. But, you know, to have that type of... Um, <laughs> Oh, somebody made a meme that was just like the perfect comparison. He's basically Bojack Horseman, you know? Yes. 
Yeah, and and that almost makes me even more intrigued to read the book. Like I said, I'm definitely going to listen to the audiobook once I get it through the library because I I want to know more about how fucked up he is. It's, <laughs> it sounds terrible, but it's true. I mean, that's just it. It's a story. You know, you want to hear the story, and that's yeah. fair. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not supporting or, you know, denying anything else well, just by listening to a story. There's also something intriguing about someone, you know, going like, oh, man, this is the story. And you're going, mm-hmm, sure. How do you think that makes you look? Right. Oh, you haven't thought about it at all. Okay. All right. And then you just, like, keep listening. Like, <laughs> he comes across as that kind of person. We've all met that kind of person or currently know that kind of person who tells a story or says something and you're going, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Yeah. That yeah. doesn't make you look like how you think it makes it look you look in your head. Like that's not something's not adding up here. I think that this memoir kind of scratches the same itch for you, or memoirs of this nature scratch the same itch for you as the surreal life scratches for me. And I didn't realize this until it came back. But I fucking love the surreal life, that reality show. I can't I explain it. That. It's trash TV. So it. it's a VH1 reality show that they had during their heyday. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, you can call it you can call it the prequel to Flavor of Love if you want. But mm-hmm. <laughs> basically that's how that got started, you know? You get uh, seven or eight celebrities in a house together, uh, you know, what they would consider C-list or D-list at the time. And they just kind of, you know, yeah. go on adventures together in this mansion that they that they stay in. They'd leave the mansion to go on adventures, of course. And, you know, you just wait for the attitudes and the uh, the egos to come out and see what happens. So this time around, they hooked me because they have... Uh, <laughs> They have Dennis Rodman in the house. <laughs> <laughs> they would have Dennis Rodman in the house. Yeah. Um, oh my God, Stormy Daniels too. This is a mess. It's a this mess. Is a mess. Is that Frankie Muniz? <laughs> yes, it is. The shit. That's just it. I need Frankie to watch Muniz. this. Where? It's on VH1. Frankie Muniz is the oh hook. Oh my God. Okay. And when I say it's a mess... And okay, you know, this is the thing too. We we have a we have a, a, a Discord for the Chicago Nerd Social Club, and in that Discord, we have a channel for nerd confessions. You know, like oh, I really, I really <laughs> never watched an episode of Star Wars. Whatever you want to say, get it off your chest. It's it's judgment free. My confession recently was, you know, I really don't watch a lot of what would be considered trash TV, but my weakness is the surreal life, and it is just fucking captivating. There's a moment in this show, in this in this current season, where Dennis Rodman is pouring his heart out to the rest of the celebrities. And, you know, they're all sitting outside around a fire pit or whatever. And he's talking about, you know, I mm-hmm. I lived a hard life on the road and I cheated and I was cheated on and I did a lot of things I'm not happy about. And I swear to God, Frankie Muniz is standing up. <laughs> And he does the most awkward dance off camera just to get away from the drama. <laughs> like they don't focus on him at all. But if you're watching, it's just like, oh, and I'm out. Goodbye. 
No, that I remember that now. It's weird because I, when you said the surreal life, I was like, okay, I know that name, but I couldn't, I couldn't remember. And yeah. now I, I do. I remember that like era of VH1 reality shows, right? Like how those were playing all the time, and that came after they did like the countdown shows and everything like that. Like I love the eighties and all that stuff. Like that was right after, you know, was this reality show. I don't know if you want to say renaissance or whatever, but <laughs> the heyday. that might yeah. be a little bit too kind of a word, but you know, that they had on VH1 and, and MTV at the time. So the fact that they're bringing that back, I'm like, no, that makes sense. And I probably would absolutely love that show. So I definitely need to watch it. It's got a lot of odd moments. A lot of them orchestrated, of course, you know, but oh, yeah. at this time of, 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 <laughs> This time in our in, in the history of humanity, um, we are all well aware that reality shows have maybe 5% reality and 95% show. So, you know, you've got moments where in season two, apparently Vanilla Ice held Gary Coleman above a deep fryer and insisted that he said his catchphrase, what you talking about, Willis, before he put him down. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Season three, of course, gave us the introduction of Flavor Flav living in the same house as Bridget Nielsen, uh, Charo, and oh, Dave Oh, God, Coulier. I forgot about that. Yeah. We had China. We had Vern Troyer, you know, uh, Salt and Pepper. So many of these people are dead. It's wild, right? Like, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but how many, like, so many of these people are dead. Yeah. The early 2000s was a just fucking outlaw time. Like, everything was was just, yeah. in, ugh, it's wild. Anywho. We were processing 9-11. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. We were, like, just fucking, who knows if we're going to be here tomorrow. Let's just live life as much as we can. I was talking to somebody about the state of hip-hop and how it just evolved in the early 2000s too. And it's incredible when you think about just the focus on like cars, cash and, and, and women and, you know, that type of shit, just being flashy and blingy in the early 2000s, that, that, that persona that rap took on, it changed the game mm-hmm. forever, you know? And it wasn't, it wasn't just rap. It was permeated in music television and yeah. VH1, <laughs> Pimp My Ride, you know, all that stuff. And right, I like think it, it a, broke into the mainstream in a big way, probably bigger than anything else for the first time, right? Like, like more so than previous generations, yeah, and decades. I right. would say, like, there's it's always been there. Obviously, it's always had an influence. Obviously, but like that early two thousands, I would say, like, you know, it seems like it had a much bigger influence than ever before. Hmm. So we 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 lost a lot, but we got. Uh, this is a, another equivalent exchange, I guess you could call it. <laughs> we lost MTV, but we got MTV, basically. Yeah. It's just it's weird true. shit. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I don't know how this is going to end this season, but it's, 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 it's been interesting so far. I'm, I'm, I'm captivated. I love so many trashy stories and stuff like that. I love that shit. <laughs> I just grew up with like 
reading those magazines and like going on the trashy celebrity gossip websites and everything that it's still in me, you know, like yeah. I, I still like that stuff. As as I mean, there's a market horrible. for it. What's that? You know, as, as long, long as it's, it's not, not horrible. horrible, like, like pushing people out of the closet or, you know, anything that features like the images of children, underage children of celebrities. I don't like anything like that, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. I'm like, fuck off with that. But mm-hmm. there's a lot yeah. of it that's just like, eh, it's just interesting little gossip. There's something entertaining and appealing about celebrities being reckless and incredibly stupid and just living their lives out loud without, you know, repercussions, long lasting repercussions on society as a whole. That is just great to see, you know, people just losing all their money, then getting all their money back or finding out they had a secret love child with someone. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's not us mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it mildly, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. why do you think I mean, we talk about Nick Cannon having a baby every two weeks? Yeah. And it's because not really, like, well, at least it's not me. Right. There were so many people dressed up as Nick Cannon for Halloween that just had like baby dolls strapped to them like a a flak jacket, you know. Um, The first person who did that, though, they were pretty great. That was funny. Mm -hmm. The rest of them. But I digress. You know, maybe we're not really being too fair with just blaming this on the early 2000s. You know, we had uh, the National Enquirer before that. We had Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous before that, you know. We did. But once again, it it becomes completely mainstream i think as opposed to before where it was like oh that's just like housewife gossipy like no one no one else is interested in that and then it was like no everyone's watching this everyone's watching newlyweds with nick and uh and jessica you know like god yeah that's right yes right right it just (laughs) i think it once again it takes on like a bigger audience and becomes part of the mainstream becomes a part of pop culture and i think some of that is also shifting like you know, advertisers and everything like that going, oh, underage, you know, like these girls are buying things like these teen girls, you know, um, we need to, you know, girls under the age of 18, girls 18 to 24, you know, these demographics are buying a lot of this stuff. Why don't Mm -hmm. we appeal to them? And then that shifts everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, consumerism on full display for sure. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to see how the other half lives. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of consumerism, Sony announced today that the new PlayStation VR 2 headset is going to launch in February at the low, low price of $550. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And it I doesn't like even VR. come with it a game. It freaks me out. It, it freaks me out. Yeah. You know? It's a gamble too. You know, I highly recommend if anyone is considering picking up a VR headset, you know, for your own personal use, whether it be this model or the Oculus from Meta or Facebook, you know, whatever, or mm-hmm. maybe even Valve's VR headset that costs a whopping thousand dollars to get the full experience. You know, before you put that kind of money down, go to a VR cafe and really try out some of these experiences because you never know you may be one of the fraction of people who get nauseous uh using these vr headsets for too long mm-hmm. Me. and you'll have spent all that money and have all or, these wires you know around your house and you don't know what to do with yeah. it 
So. Or you feel like you're going to like faint or, you know, you get dizzy. That's my big thing. I got dizzy from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the same experience too, but it was specific to certain types of games. And I don't think I even talked about it on here, but you know, I, I, of course I love Skyrim. It's one of my favorite yeah. games of all time. And they had the VR experience on PlayStation for the, for the uh, headset. And I found it on sale years after the original headset came out. I'm like, cool, I'll give it a shot. And I could only play it for like 20 minutes at a time. And I'm talking like when I was into Skyrim, I could lose a whole Saturday on that bitch, man. That was a right. fun game, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, 20 minutes. And I was like, oh, God, I got to I, I gotta get this thing off of me. I'm not feeling great. <laughs> I don't know if it yeah. was the textures no, or I, what. There's something sense. about it. I don't know, man. It just, it freaks me out. Yeah. So I get why I people know. like it. I get why people are excited about it. Uh, it's just not for me. Right. Right. Another game that I absolutely love a franchise. I love is the half-life franchise. You know, it also spun off into the portal games. Mm-hmm. And one of the games that was released um, for PC half-life Alex is only available to experience with a VR headset. And I haven't been able to play it yet because, you know, first of all, you got to have a high-end PC that can process, you know, virtual reality. Then you have to have the headset that can connect with it. And that's a whole nother thing. So, yeah, it's just it's just so much work <laughs> to play something that you may or may not enjoy. Yeah. And it's just it's it's very expensive. Like, I mean, you're talking about a whole system. That's right. Like, what that's that's how much a playstation costs correct yeah exactly so yeah you got to get in for a thousand and that's before you even buy a game for the thing yeah that's insane not great (laughs) i mean for some people like that's that's their primary hobby and they're gonna spend that kind of money and that's i get it like i totally get it Um, well traditionally it's difficult to get gamers to get a huge peripheral like that after they make the initial purchase you know no matter what level of gamer you are like you really got to be somebody that's like okay i want to dedicate some time to this i'm bored with everything else that's already on there i've experienced it all i need vr you know and i don't think that or you just have a lot of money you know one or the other yeah well you know you win powerball you're good to go but uh (laughs) i don't think the normal consumer is going to be at that level. I wonder if you can get one for free. Let's see if we can get you one for free. Let's get PlayStation to send Matt VR stuff. I don't even need anything. I'm fine. You know what, Sony? I've seen a lot of viral videos. I've seen a lot of TikToks lately. You've been sending people free controllers and shit like that. You've been sending people. I'll take a free controller. Yeah. You know, send Lex the free controller. But me, if you really want to send me something, if you want me to post TikToks daily, I guess, of me using the thing, I'll do that. Why, why don't why you, send, you me... send it with a PlayStation and I'll take the PlayStation <laughs> and you take the VR and we'll both post. We'll give you lots of content. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you just got the shopping list ready. Like, OK, look, get this, yeah. this and this. Send this to me. And you keep this and then we'll, yes, going to post every day. It's all, it's Team Santa Sony. season in my mind. So hey, man. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the official beginning of the holiday season has happened now that Mariah has transformed yeah. from a witch to 
her Santa costume. It's time once again. I love it, honestly. <laughs> I'm just—it's kind of horrifying. Enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm for it. I want to. I want to decorate. I want to. I want to enjoy the Christmas season for two months. Fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> That's fine. Be careful out there, people. If you're ordering stuff from Walmart this year, please keep in mind that delivery people in general, as a whole, are taxed beyond belief right now. And I know mm-hmm. there are some folks out there who, you know, don't do their job or lazy, or whatever, but really consider the fact that delivery people for the past three years have been given increasingly more to do. And yeah, I complain a lot, but I try to, I try to keep it in mind. You know, folks are only capable of doing so much. They're stretched so thin. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're ordering something from Walmart, be careful because apparently they're delivering things already out of the packaging. What? It, what? Yeah. And if you're like, getting <laughs> like you buy a vacuum and it's thrown over and like, it's not even in a box. Yeah. <laughs> My work? coworker had a delivery from Walmart today and you know, she has the ring doorbell and she showed us a picture. It's just the item sitting on her front porch. Thankfully, it wasn't like a gift for her husband or her kid. But can you imagine? (laughs) Amazon. Amazon's doing that, too, because they warned me. Yeah. Oh, oh, they 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 sent me a message. Yeah, they sent me a message the other day and they were like, hey, we're going to deliver these shorts to you. And I ended up reporting or returning them anyway. But like they're in this bag, but you can see what they are. And they were like, are you fine with this? Like to save the packaging. And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't care. So they just sent it to me, the shorts in the bag that was like a, you know, frosted bag kind of thing. So you could see what they were. You could totally see what the whole package was. Um, but yeah, they're, I think they're trying to reduce waste. So they're like, why do we put a box inside of a box? Yeah, yeah. You know, it does make sense in that regard. But you I know, think they should ask, though, if you're trying to conceal something. I think that that's a, would be a good idea. Ideal. That would be a yeah. great idea. Just say, hey, what kind of packaging do you want on this? You know, yeah. they also have that frustration free packaging where they put it kind of like in a bland box that you can just pop open yeah. for like toys and stuff like that. Like they did that a lot with the Nerf uh, guns and, and blasters. I don't know why, but they used to do that a lot with the Nerf stuff. It's like, do you want frustration-free packaging? A lot of them pitting? suck, though, because like you can't reuse them properly. What do you mean? Are you talking about the ones that you tear away? Well, to open them. The no, boxes? I'm talking about like, for instance, I got a I got a Nerf blaster when I was modding those a few years ago, yeah. and it just came in a box. It was just a brown box. It had Nerf you know, in there and just regular black text. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just the blaster and the darts in there, just loose. Oh, but, oh, okay. Never mind. You know, I was I thinking got, of um I was thinking of those boxes that are like you have to tear open basically and it leaves like a hole. Like hmm. they they're like a strip that you tear out. Oh, of one of those. Okay. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And like those end up leaving that giant strip open in the box and you kind of can't reuse the box and i think those are incredibly wasteful and frustrating i think so too a lot of people count on amazon boxes when they're ready to move you know that's that's the value add right there yeah absolutely so either way (laughs) buying boxes sucks all right let's end on this little piece of news here i thought this was neat i thought Mm -hmm. this was kind of a cool real world application here 
Um, this okay. comes from Ars Technica. It says, NASCAR driver stuns racing world with a move learned from Nintendo GameCube. That's right. He was at the end of his race. What? He did, he did a little hop and he turned right and blue sparks began to come out of his wheels <laughs> until he sped past the competition. He didn't even hit a banana peel. Oh, no. He went right past the finish line. So kudos to this, I don't know, Ross Chastain. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty funny. Like (laughs) a generation now is like, I learned this from a video game and hey, it worked. I think that's a little bit risky to take that risk when you're going however many, I don't know, hundreds of miles. I don't know how fucking fast NASCAR NASCAR cars go. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're going probably 200 miles an hour or whatever the fuck and you're like, you know what, let me try doing this thing I saw in a video game. That seems a little risky, but pretty cool at the same time. Let me tell you how bonkers NASCAR is just in in the real world. It's just fucking weird, man. Just the fact that You know, somebody can flip over five or six times, get up, shrug it off, get back in the race, and then go do like a post-race interview talking about, yeah, you know, I flipped over a couple times there, but we got right back in the uh, the mix of things and we were able to place. Like, what? What? No, man, you almost fucking died. You almost got squished. Your car was on fire, man. (laughs) You just, ah, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. What? Yeah, they're like, you know, sometimes you go into the wall and you're like, I'm sorry, fucking what? (laughs) You're just casually living my nightmare. Okay. You know, if that happened to Lightning McQueen, that movie would have been a lot shorter. You know, but no, these NASCAR guys. No, it would not be (laughs) Kachow. So unfortunately, um, uh, this Chastain guy wasn't talking about Mario Kart. He was talking about uh nascar 2005 chase for the cup uh released in september 2004 specifically for the gamecube i you know i think this is amazing too the gamecube gets no love but for some reason this dude is like yeah we had a gamecube and this was my jam (laughs) no Uh, it had to be he's like i used that little random yellow thumbstick and i i got it done (laughs) <laughs> stupid fucking controller i've already been over this a million times. <laughs> in a post-race interview with nbc sports chastain said i played a lot of nascar 2005 on the gamecube with uh chad christian's brother growing up and you can get away with it you can get away with scooting on the wall and i never <laughs> knew it would actually work i did that when i was eight years old <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's fucking great man I mean, <laughs> imagine having a one ton machine and you're like, I didn't know it would work. I did it in a video game, though. So what the hell? I tried it. Right. I just imagine him just aggravating the stew out of his brother when they were kids, when he would use like that move to win a race. Mm-hmm. And his his brother's at home drinking a beer, watching his brother race, you know, just like I'm really proud of him. I really hope he he wins and he really fulfills his dreams and everything. And he does the fucking wall slide move and he's like, oh, that son of a bitch. Yeah, I was going to say, he's probably like, God, crazy son of a bitch did it. He did it. He really did it. <laughs> he starts running around in the street like Doc Brown. 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> no, that's oh. amazing. That's really yeah. cool. I didn't yeah. hear about that. So, you know, kudos to uh, <laughs> to Ross Chastain. <laughs> Do we consider that wall of weird? I mean, I guess we gotta. 
you know, because it yeah. involve video game physics that actually were applicable in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Good work, Chad. Or rather, Ross Chastain. Yeah. <laughs> Ro- Chad Rostain. Chad Rostain. Now, imagine somebody brings a blue turtle shell to the racetrack. Then, then we got problems. Yeah. Next week, NASCAR. <laughs> All right, folks. So thank you for hanging with us. So glad to have you back, Lex. It was it was great talking to D last week, but it's great having you back for at least the fact that your name is on the actual title of the show. So that's that's great. Yeah. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you, D, for stepping in. Much appreciated, as always. <laughs> if you'd like more of our shenanigans, check us out at Lex and Matt across the board. Patreon.com slash Lex and Matt for exclusive access to our Discord, where we have lots of fun. Today we were talking about VR and about the horror Mm -hmm. that is the upcoming facial scan technology that Facebook has in store for you. It is frightening. Also, exclusive Avatar 2 content in which (laughs) I talked about Avatar 2. And everyone was like, why are you an old man yelling at the clouds? And I was like, shut up. You paid to be here. This is what you get, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Worth the price of admission, folks. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you literally paid for this. I don't know what you expected. (laughs) You literally paid to be here. Come on. We're also discussing uh, what movie we're going to watch next for our our watch along now that Netflix has dropped some new technology that allows you to, you know, do that in the Discord server. So we're going to test that out, taking it for a test drive. So get in, put in your vote and watch stuff with us. That'd be fun. Maybe we can do a Christmas movie or something. That'd be good, too. Okay. I'm I'm down with that. Holiday spectacular. Yes. Yes. All right, folks. Once again, thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Matt Peters. (laughs) And I'm Lex Lutz. Be excellent. excellent We both did it. Ah. Again. We did it again. (laughs) 